This podcast is brought to you in association with Small Beer Limited, Britain's leading Cascale and craft beer wholesaler. Head to all the W's, smallbeerwholesale.co.uk. Now on with the show. Hello and welcome back to the Gone Off on a Tangent podcast, but this time we've won our special episodes in a series we like to call Whatever Floats Your Goat. Uh, it gives us a chance to chat to someone from the world of sport slash life and a break from our usual sweary nonsense. As always, I'm here. DT is here. Hello. Carl is not here. Didn't turn up. Wilson is here. Hello again. And our guest this time is ex-professional rugby player and all-round bloody nice bloke, Greg Bateman. Welcome, Greg. Thank you very much for having me. First impressions of the uh, office slash surrounded is definitely studio. one of the most professional setups I've been in for sure. <laughs> You're massive, so the room's got significantly smaller, and I don't I mean that in the politest possible way. It's, wow, uh, yeah, easy. He's bigger than you, pal. What, what, yeah. what does that mean? I mean, you're a unit, but he could take you. Oh, did you used to play rugby? Granted. We'll learn all about it in a bit because we, we were just saying before we clicked record, we don't know a lot about rugby. So it uh, could, be, could be a lesson for all of us. I'm not sure I've got a lot to teach you, mate. <laughs> <laughs> we try, I, try, I did say I'd set you up, but you just tried to set yourself up with that gag. So <laughs> all I know thought. is it isn't a prerequisite to be good at rugby to play rugby, is it? Just got to get right into the mire. And now you're giving me the eyes. Well, no, I'm trying to understand the question. So you don't need to... You have to be I good think... at rugby to play rugby. You just need to be have the bollocks the size of uh, stones. I, mean, it, I think that's positional dependent. Got a quote here from uh, Rob Eastwood, small beer MD uh, and sponsor of this fine podcast. Uh, Greg is one of the best players in the game that didn't get an international cap. Well, he's absolutely right. High praise, isn't (laughs) it? High praise. High praise indeed. Uh, So who were the international managers while you were playing? Uh, Well, it depends which nation uh, we're talking about because uh, I... How do I cover this? Uh, I was I was selected to play for Wales twice. Um, the first time, um, I was you know obviously over the moon. My grandmother was Welsh, God rest her soul, and uh, I was you know super excited. And um, they said, "Yep, we're going to pick you for the autumn series just against like the All Blacks, South Africa, you know, biggest teams ever." And I was kind of like, "Well, that could be amazing." I'm going to get killed, but it'll be great. <laughs> um, and w- when I sort of met up with um, the coaches, management um, of Wales, they sort of explained my grandmother adopted my mother as a baby. So it's not a bloodline, but she's like my grandma. Do you know what I mean? It's not like I came off the boat and was adopted <laughs> and yeah. had a passport. Um, and they said, oh, yeah, no, that's absolutely fine. No problem. A few weeks later get a phone call saying uh really sorry but we can't um we can't actually uh take you because the world rugby rules are that you have to have uh, a blood relation to be able to play for the for us or or any nation uh but we think that's really unfair so we're going to go to world rugby and get the rule changed um, yeah. we're going to get an ex high court judge um and we'd like you and your agent to come with us as like a case in point so i'm like you know not played international rugby for like just had a couple of good seasons at Leicester and um my agent was like no fucking way because if they change am I allowed to swear on this oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, because if they change the, the any laws or rules or whatever they never do it for that person it's for the people behind you plus 
if they say no and then England or whoever come along, you're like, you tried to be Welsh, but you couldn't be Welsh and now you're whatever. So he said, look, just don't do it. Let that happen in the background. So to be honest, I was obviously very disappointed, but kind of let it go-ish. And then um, I got a phone call before the Six Nations the following year. Great news. We've... uh, (laughs) We've got the law changed, and we're going to pick you in the Six Nations. And we because uh, I'm one of those rare creatures that I played multiple positions in the front row. It's in the notes, mate. Don't no, worry. no worries. Um, <laughs> the only player in the Premiership to start in all three. That wasn't um, in the notes. But um, for if you think about for World Cup squads, that's really valuable, right? Because you're suddenly not having to pick nine forwards to cover three positions. You can have a bit of flexibility. So. Uh, you know, it was obviously of interest, but unfortunately, and I know this isn't in the sort of narrative way of how we're going to discuss uh, my turbulent life, but my life kind of fell apart in the six months between then and now, or at, at this point, getting called up, and um, I just wasn't well enough to go, and was just like, I, yeah, this is not happening. Um, so was picked for Wales twice, and weirdly, Eddie Jones just never had my number um which is which is just odd you know uh but no yes uh i wholly agree with rob <laughs> <laughs> eddie jones just excuse that impression yeah, i've nailed that now talking about mate he's a character isn't he all that stuff in the world cup where he was supposedly talking to japan so i loved all that loved all that drama i think um he definitely was. I mean, I, I met him once briefly when I went to go and see a couple of mates at um, at Siam Park while they were in Six Nations camp, and I was floating around London. Just said, "Oh, club sandwich," because uh, see the RFU pay for that. Um, <laughs> and uh, you know, it was a it was a passing kind of you know, hello. And uh, Cockers was was there actually as well. Walked past. He was my coach at Leicester, Richard Cockrell. And I said, "Oh, Cockers, I heard you're short tomorrow. I've got my boots in my back." <laughs> Fuck um, <laughs> but actually, Eddie's a really interesting. If you listen to um, some of his longer form content that he's done, he's really, really interesting, and and his mindset to coaching is amazing. And I think, um, unfortunately, in this social media world we live in, we get sound bites, yeah. and he does come across uh, great or awful depending on which side of the fence that you sit on how the video has been clipped (laughs) yeah um but i think if you listen to his sort of philosophy he he is he knows what he's trying to do and having mates that have worked with him have said that he's unbelievable also i've had mates that have worked with him and said he's terrible however they haven't been picked every week in week out and if you ask me who my favourite coaches are, they're the ones that pick me every week. So it's quite hard to know. He did a podcast with Simon Jordan that I listened to. That, that's fade, was about 60 minutes, very long form. And you're right, he was he was captivating. He was, he was very interesting to hear how he wants to win win rugby matches and, and where he felt it had gone wrong and right and, and the reasons for that. And a fascinating bloke. If you get a chance, go listen to it. It is really interesting. Yeah, it's very good. Uh, I can't remember what his podcast is called. It doesn't need our plug. It's, it's sponsored <laughs> by one of the high street gambling It is people. indeed, yeah. Million, million. I don't bet with him. Uh, so let's go right back. How did it start in terms of rugby? How did you get into it? Um, why all the usual low ball questions? Yeah, um, it's been a while since I've done one of these on on, uh, on the career, I suppose. But 
Uh, I was would have been like most other six or seven year old kids that have got two left feet, and the dad said they can't play football. Um, <laughs> so he was just like, "Well, you just need some kind of team sport, some structure to go and have a go." And to be honest, you know, it was just always something I did until fourteen-ish, uh, something like that, where the age group stuff started to come in, um, the county, and I suddenly sort of was on some books of a of a club and he's some, where were you based sorry Greg. Where, where did you grow up i grew up in surrey sorry okay um and it, it i think um rugby's like an amazing game because it's amateur and professional at the same time for such a, a long period of time until you then become professional and it's largely amateur with a little bit of professionalism <laughs> if you know because I mean. it's so far from a professional sport is ridiculous but uh in in answer to your first question yeah six seven Cambly rfc in you go yeah that's it done i remember as a kid i used to play football so one of the dads said to me oh you should um come play rugby and i think it's not about five years later i realized he was basically calling me fat because he was like shit at football (laughs) no i was good at football behave yourself uh but clearly his his son played now then i realized okay makes sense quite big shoulders he didn't know I'm an absolute coward, but other than that, did you boys play at school? I played at school. You yeah. Go, yeah, you're a unit. Did you give it a go? What rugby? No, no hockey. Uh, uh, well, I, I tried it once, but I was just more of a kicker. I wanted the glory, really. What's that finesse position? What's a ten? Scrum half, fly off, isn't it? Fly off, fly off. I, I, I do think that there is something quite important with what you guys have just talked about. Is that, um. Rugby is actually an incredibly skillful game and we need players, we need participation to increase massively for rugby to be sustainable in the future. And rugby has this amazing thing that it's kind of the game for all shapes and sizes and that's true um, because people like me can make a living out of being the sports people, which is just genius, isn't it? But, you know, when you do, sorry, uh, when you develop through into age groups, there's lads that often convert late from cricket or football or one of those sports because obviously very few people make it through into football. Um, but we need to somehow find a way of making uh, participation at younger age groups easier. And some of that is because the game is really complicated and I did it for a long time. I'm not sure I understand everything that happens in a game, to be honest, because you just stick your head out of a scrum and realise you're 60 metres backwards. But um, I think it is quite a complicated game that makes it hard. Whereas football, you know, you can pick up a ball, jumpers for goalposts, you can go and play with your mates, can't you? It's pretty simple. Um, <clears throat> so some of it's around the complication, but also you need 15 people. You need substitutes because of the contact, and contact is really poorly coached at age group level. Um, you know, watching the uh, local team where where i'm based and it's all just smash it and get them as hard as you can and all the rest of it and that is how people get hurt and that's why people stop playing the game because it's quite a violent and fundamentally quite unsafe game <laughs> so it's not ideal to have it so badly coached is it the same for rugby league and it's not necessarily a world you've been in but is it the same up north they're they struggling to get because um, it's obviously a different, slightly different game in terms of less scrums, but there's still there's still ridiculous impact and contact and yeah. Um, I, the honest answer is I don't know um, because 
you know, nobody wants to run into elbows for 35 grand a year. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm sure they get paid more than that. Um, but the uh, rugby league is simpler. Um, that's why it's played up north, right? <laughs> oh, <laughs> we. Actually, does Lincoln, does Lincoln count as north? No, no, it depends if you believe. <laughs> Where does north start? Because you're north to me. Yeah, well, I would we're say slap bag in the middle. Aren't yeah, we? yeah, the Midlands is a lost world, isn't it? Let's be honest. We're not northern in the in the. Because my family's all from Yorkshire, which I, when I've got there, it feels like a different world. Everyone's a bit more friendlier. Sorry, guys. Proper tight. Yeah. Don't <laughs> pay for anything. But they've got different traditions and stuff. And then anything, I think definitely anything south of Lincoln feels like the south, as it were, like Peterborough. Came, well, Cambridge definitely. We're the, we're the fence, aren't we? Yeah, we're, we're, we yeah, we, we, yeah, we stop the northerners getting into your world and we stop you boys from getting really confused why we've got head and a beer, that sort of stuff, as you go further north. And then we're like a, yeah, we're the Midlands. We're weird gateway, old world. As it were. We're the gateway. gateway. We're the gateway yeah. county. Yeah. Hasn't it got that in marketing? Put it on the flag. Uh, so it's, in terms of sport, though, there's no rugby league played here at all. No, no, it's, it is union, if anything. Yeah, sport yeah, wise, your closest would be Huddersfield or someone like that, wouldn't it? From here, in terms of league, yeah, Hull probably Hull, the road, Hull, yeah, yeah. both Hull, both Hull. both of their teams probably the nearest. Yeah, Sheffield don't play much in Sheffield, do they? They used to have a team, I'm sure, years ago. They saw that M62 corridor, into it? Be the Rhinos which, other than that, wouldn't it? Rhinos, yeah, the, Leeds be about an hour and a half from here. So yeah, Hull would be the nearest. But so really, we're all talking about something we have no idea about. <clears throat> but yeah, well, I grew up watching it. Uh, oh, I see, my dad's big into it he was a Batley Bulldogs fan uh, but other than that I don't really watch Union as a kid really other than by everyone like when World Cups and stuff are on but in terms of participation it's quite a good county for Union there's a lot of club a small bit sponsor one actually and uh, we definitely played our school well Midlands is particularly good for for rugby generally um, it is pretty strong but that's largely driven because you've got two very good premiership clubs well no one very good Premiership club and Saints in the Midlands, um, so you've got that aspirational element to it as well. Um, so if you think about, say, Bournemouth, there's not a lot of rugby union played in Bournemouth because everyone's but, 86. <laughs> but having said that, then if you start going west, Dorset, Cornwall, Devon, it's quite big down there, isn't way it? Way more rugby than there is football. But Chiefs have been, you know, within the last 15 years of been the, the shining star for that we're probably a terrible example because there's not much talent in Lincolnshire we don't produce a lot other than potatoes if I'm honest <laughs> we might produce some rugby players we don't know but in terms of other sports I mean, who's the most famous cricketer from Lincolnshire would you say Dan uh, it's your world isn't it yeah there's not really been definitely not a footballer <laughs> we might be able to claim Kevin Keegan Teddy yeah. <laughs> Scunthorpe I think no, other a, than that the list is pretty small yeah it's pretty it's just one of those counts. it's just such a Massive county, but yeah, we, Leicester's what an hour and a bit. Right, so yeah. everyone over this way is a Tigers fan. If you if they're into rugby, um, got a lot of, a lot of our listeners are Tigers fans. Uh, not so much North Northampton, but yeah, a lot a lot of Tigers fan. And then obviously when, but the, the, the I like how you say a lot of our listeners. I, I know of two, <laughs> all we're two a, of them are allowed <laughs> to embellish Dan. That's at the very least. Nah, just be honest, mate. At the very least, wax some mustard on it, mate. We've Come been, on, no, we've been honest about how little we know about rugby. <laughs> No, no, I, I feel like that is important in case anybody stumbles onto this podcast to listen to you and then he's basically like, what are those three dickheads on about? <laughs> oh, I'll give why some of their old you, stuff a listen to. Why did you get in a room with those three fucking idiots? 
which we'll come on to later, how you, how you met us three idiots. Um, so in terms of, we, we obviously have a football background loosely in terms of following it. So that transition from the academy system in football, we're quite aware of. How does it work in rugby? Is it similar? You get picked up by a club into their academy system and then work way through. Yeah, um, it's w- probably an area of the game that's needs addressing, but you generally, you know, at sort of 14, 15 through to, well, 18 is when you're in the sort of development stuff. So, you you know, you go into school and all the rest of it and you're doing Tuesday, Thursday nights, playing for your club team at the weekend. And you're allowed to play for school and because in football they restrict that. Yeah. So you have to stop everything you're doing and just play for academy. Exactly. So... But because there's not enough academy games, they don't always, you know, have fixtures at the weekend. And to be fair, it's been a long time since I was in that position. But then what happens at 18 is you then end up uh, taking an academy contract, which is pretty shocking. But you're then full-time training with the first team and you might go out on loan to, uh, you know, from Tigers, you'd go out to Leicester Lions or, you know, go and play men's rugby. That's what you need to do. But what one of the major problems then after sort of 18 to 20 is you sort of a little bit too old to go and do that and you're not gonna because those teams will sort of help the feeder team as a feeder team to the the bigger one out but then when you make it past that you need to be playing regular rugby that's what actually makes you better um and much like any sport you see that with young footballers right you end up in academy and you just play under 18s under 19s under 20s or whatever you only really yeah. start to develop when you start playing against once you reach 21 yeah. if you've not made it to the first team it must be the same you need to find another club because you just need to find regular regular, regular, football, regular yeah. opportunity don't you? yeah well, rugby's slightly different in that positional wise like you, they don't chuck 18 year old front rowers out there so much anymore um that it does take a little bit of time just because the, if you threw a 18, 19 year old against a 38 year old Dan Cole. Like, it's a, it's a tough Saturday afternoon, you know. Um, and it's probably not great for your development. Um, but I think that where we want rugby to get to is to have this sort of opportunities for players where they're just playing more. And what worked really well previously, and probably the last example of it for an England player, was Nick Easter, who played for wins and then England but he didn't have an academy system or anything like that he just came through the national leagues played played his way up got to the championship then got picked up by Quinns and then was suddenly playing for England so, so he just played lots of men's rugby come through the system and well, not the system but it's harmed the championship as well so the championship apart from the RFU pulling a load of the funding out um the RFU uh, sorry the championship clubs are struggling because they don't have the good players because they're getting picked up in academy systems and that they're just sort of lost in this ether. Whereas actually, if you look at um, what would be a good example, like American football in the States, right? They have a really solid college football system. Have you ever seen videos of college football in America? It's massive. Yeah, it's huge, isn't it? He's a massive, hey, you're, you're yeah, a massive I'm a big NFL fan. I don't watch a lot of the college game, but I've seen enough on a Netflix documentary for days. But 80, 90,000 fans. Amazing. And that's... So that is our their equivalent of like the championship, but we're getting like fifteen hundred people to watch Donny. You mm. know what I mean? If that, and it it could be really good rugby, and you could have lots of these players that aren't starting in the Premiership every week or on the fringe or whatever, helping backfield, and that helps then um, get participation up because the standards improving. Yet it's a bit of a virtuous circle, but 
um, in this sort of mad race for, you know, we want the best talent and pathways and all the rest of it. Rugby's still a really, really small game in the UK. It's tiny um, in comparison to what football is. You know, you know, you were saying, obviously, in terms of like rugby being a, a game for all shapes and sizes and stuff. Do, do you find even back when you were that age, is there a specific like sort of person that are going? Are you seeing more like forwards, props, fly-offs? What, is there any sort of specific? Is there a pattern? To is there a pattern to sort of these kids at a younger age, what they want to, what um, positions they want to play in? Like in football when they're... I really want to be. I want to score goals. Yeah, I want to yeah. be. I want no, to be a goalkeeper. Well, yeah. Everybody wants to play fly off or you know whatever, whatever. But I think at an early age, you know, I started as an eight, then I was a six, then I like got slowly moved forward <laughs> as they realised I'd reached my heights um, at five, ten, and three quarters. But um, I think probably more the bigger thing with rugby is where the players come from. So it's a massive private school game. Um, it's not played in um, state schools. One thing Eddie Jones was very uh, vocal about, throwing back to him, he was very vocal, wasn't he, about uh, removing yeah. that yeah, exactly. stigma, or whatever, you want, whatever you want to call it, away. So I was quite fortunate that I went to a state school um, and was just playing for a local club, but that um, obviously then was on the county pathway and whatever, and ended up at a private school with a rugby scholarship. Um, so I, had, I kind of got best of both worlds. And learn to speak properly, which was a good bonus. <laughs> um, but the, I guess, it's less. You know, thinking about my private school days, is you have lads there that were sort of everybody wants to play ten. It's just you watch lads walking around a private school and they'll chuck a rugby ball around. Whereas at a state school, every break time is football. Yeah, isn't it? Do you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Um, so just the opportunities are are greater. But I just can't see that happening at many state schools where they're you know in the cage or whatever they're called just get the rugby ball out get the ball out just be killed wouldn't you yeah it's like you said earlier though it's just an easier sport to just quickly set a game up like say stick jumpers down job done yeah whereas rugby just isn't isn't that in terms of obviously we we, we went to um uh normal school as i'll call it but nobody really played rugby apart from in pe class it was really that interested and there was one or two lads that did Put their tie on when out in uh, the local town on a Saturday night with the brown shoes on, and uh, that was it. It was it was such a such a small thing for us. Cricket was the same though. It's not just a rugby thing. Like you had to go out and seek cricket, and if you wanted to play it, I, mean, I don't know how you got involved. Obviously, at the club you play for, but rugby was the same. You had to go out and seek it. Whereas football was just just was just there, just in front of you for whatever reason. I don't think it's anything to do with schools, I suppose. But the the the, the pri- so the private school thing or the public school thing, should I say. Uh, do you agree with Eddie Jones that it is something that needs to be broken down or do you feel it's just the nature of the game? I, yeah, I don't know. I think it's um, it's difficult, isn't it, to sort of... I, I, I'm kind of quite conscious about not having an opinion about everything because I, I don't honestly... Rare know. these days, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> um, you, are, you are allowed to take permission to not have an opinion about something. It's a really good piece of advice. It's a fresh so, outlook. Yeah. Um, so I don't necessarily know that, you know it's all bad or it's all good or whatever it is but i just think that whatever happens we need to improve opportunities for people outside of private or public schools um which is really difficult really really difficult to do because of all the reasons that we said whilst it's producing rugby players it's going to be the way forward like say there's there's guys walking around with a rugby ball on their arm that's if that's the successful way to do it 
and England, uh, I can't speak for other nations, but England has been relatively successful as a, as a rugby nation. So they're going to keep doing that because that's that's how it works. And aren't we've got our own system in, in, in the, the system in football, there's a system in cricket. While that's the thing, I, I agree with you, I don't necessarily think it's a bad or a good thing, but I've never been in, in the world. But there's been things on Sky with um, uh, that documentary where they were getting people from inner in cities to, yeah, to play on the next cons, whatever, you, uh, doing that sort of thing. So there's clearly a, there's clearly a, a want to get more people playing rugby from different backgrounds, different areas, but they're not alone as a sport. That's the problem. They're just, every sport wants it. Yeah. Well, was that, that's exactly what came to mind as you were talking about it is rugby wants that, but do the kids want that? Mm. And that there's a push and a pull to these things, right? Is, um, we sort of need to decide where we want to go fishing. Um, because if we try and spend, ourselves too thin i'm talking about we like i'm not really involved in the game at all now um but why would we try and go after the same category that england cricket are trying to go after or yeah. you know athletics or whatever um and actually athletics has done really well in in really urban areas because it's much easier to build an athletics track um than it is to maintain grass pitches etc plus there's loads of our talent in gb has come that pathway but the fishing is easiest in private schools because their kids are playing it two three times a week and all the rest of it so you know so you fundamentally can see, the players are better anyway so you can see why they'd put their resources into it right because the it's easier to do that than it is to teach a whole band of new kids yeah. right the it's way also through. the culture of the school the school has a big say in it as well they want to play rugby they want to get rugby players through and it's part of that. Same with cricket, I suppose. Yeah, Same thing. Curriculum, Cr- cricket has a has a, a similar image, I would say, in terms of n- not quite like rugby, but it, it has got an image, yeah, um, which has, has changed a little bit. And then it's always a bit different up north, I think. But what have you? Um, but this, it's the school's culture as well. So whilst they're producing rugby players, it's going to be the same. Mm. I think it, it takes years to to and like, like I say, it's, it's eyeballs on the sport, and Just each cr- sport is after eyeballs, and it's so difficult to in, get eyeballs in cricket. It's like we've. <laughs> Just, you're just perceived as the posh, the posh lot, just because you yeah, know. and they haven't met you <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but yeah, that's that's literally what you perceived at all through ju- all through juniors into senior cricket. But that was my perception of cricket, There's and then obviously I got to know Dan, who don't play the game, have but that opinion. You go to Linden Club, which is the club he plays for, and it is brilliant. I've been to beer festival. There's met loads of great people, not him, but in met, general, met Tarquin, and <laughs> no, that was Cambridge of the week. Um, and and just met loads of great people, and, it, and it's it's awesome. And it's the same rugby club. You've had your own experiences in rugby club. We have, we? yeah, yeah. So, but but that was that was obviously we're going to go slightly off track a bit. But you do tend to see like the uh, initiations and things like that. What are you checking absolute out? layup to say gone off on a ta- got off on a tangent there, and you didn't absolute layup there to well, name well, of the show. Know that we're doing. That. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, like the initiation side of it is something that was always a bit like. Strange, I thought. Um, we we saw it firsthand at, at Linden when Lincoln Rugby Club played there before they moved on to to Netland or out towards Netland. There, we we had it at uni as well. So I played football at uni, but the rugby society had their initiations, and fuck me, was it on another level? <laughs> like I thought ours was like pretty bad. I mean, we had to like streak through the Odeon, um, like as footballers, but the rugby players were something else. Literally, yeah, something I else. can't say uh, that's something that I'm particularly fond of. My memories of uh, initiations and having played for a few clubs, you have to have to do a few. Um, but it 
it is great at the same <laughs> <It's> time. <laughs> you know I mean? um, so yeah, I, I I totally get that, and you know, the drinking culture of rugby is is a a good thing and a bad thing. It's like drinking in the UK culture, which I know we're going to talk about later on, but you know, one of the best things about a rugby club is that after the game of somebody that's beating the shit out of you for 80 minutes. You have a pint with them. You have a pint. Mm-hmm. And that doesn't happen in other sports, and that's really special. And the other thing that doesn't happen in other sports, and we've spoken about it before, is you're actually allowed to sit with a beer watching the game as with well. With an opposing fan. With an opposing fan. And not, and not, not them removed. Not worry about having your head kicked in, which in football, that's that's where it's gone. Like, well, it's never been a thing, has it? But it's, it's it would never work. Whenever I've been to local rugby... Um, I've really enjoyed that aspect of it. So we've been obviously watching the game, drinking, whatever, and then everybody's come back. There might be the odd one or two that's taking that whey powder and not wanting a pint, weirdos. But in general, the mood is really good and they're all there. We're still drinking the two hours after and the room is still pretty, pretty full. Um, I got caught out with that because they were, they were doing this game where they were singing and I was at the bar getting the round in and it was getting louder and louder. And they sing, I don't know what they were singing, but it was getting louder and louder and louder. And I'm ordering the drinks and the guy just winks at me as if say, you have no idea what's going on. I mean, I was fairly pissed. So I turned around and everybody's on the table and they're singing louder and louder because I'm not off the floor. So you just don't get that in, in other areas. So I got off the floor and they stopped singing immediately. Oh. Just thought it was my round. I thought they were just getting really rowdy. But that the culture side of it, I, I, I've, well, I see we'll get on, onto it later, but the, the, the beer side of things, as long as it doesn't go too far, I think it's great. It's brilliant. Like, Football fans, and I am one, and I go all over the country watching my club, and sometimes there's an ed- edge to it. You just don't get in rugby. And and if we could have more of that in ours, I'd, I'd be all the better for it. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> I just think that there's some... The, the special bit I was talking about, you know, I'm just agreeing and repeating what you said, really, but I think that's the special bit about the game, is it doesn't matter what club you support, what what team you're watching, uh, you can stand next to whoever you want, have a pint of them, be like, fucking hell, with your bloke. <laughs> you know and it's there's a camaraderie in in how tough the game Common is ground if you know what that. I mean um, as the game's got more professional it's not lost some of that on the pitch but you, you know it is a lot of grudge matches and all that stuff but generally speaking it's pretty it's pretty good out there there's so much I think football as a sport could learn from from rugby like just in general like you say that camaraderie off the pitch like I know Speaking, you'll take the piss out of me. But speak, Sunday morning. Speaking, yeah, but it's, it's <laughs> oh Sunday God. football, Saturday football. Like if you've if you've kicked seven lumps out of somebody, the likelihood is they'll probably start on you after the game or, or whatever. Well, I've said chase I, the ref around the pitch. Yeah. One of the reasons, like in COVID, we obviously played together for a couple of years uh, just before COVID, and it was great. We had a great group of lads, but you did tend to get the feeling that there was some people on the opposition that weren't bothered if they broke your leg or not. And it's like, really, you know, I've got to get to work next week. And that's kind of, it kind of got to that stage. I was like, I can't be asked for this anymore. I just pull away from the, from that side of it. Well, the, it, the obvious, <clears> the <throat> obvious famous quote is it's a, you know, a gentleman's game played by thugs and a thugs game played by a gentleman. Yeah. And, it, and I think it's exactly right on and off the pitch. Amen, brother. <laughs> Twickenham's come under fire a bit the last couple of years for the drinking culture. I've noticed. I've seen a lot of that. It might just be taught sport saying things loudly, but about obviously people getting really drunk and in some of the lesser games who were and less of a rugby crowd as as rugby fans would know it, and more of just a sort of a day tripper thing. I mean, is, is that a thing? 
in uh, rugby circles? Well, the last time I went to Twickenham was when England got dicked by France at the Six Nations. And I think I touched 25 pints of Guinness. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure... What a day. Yeah, it was a tough day afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> but... I'm, I want that on my tombstone because I don't actually particularly like Guinness or drinking. <laughs> but it was the done thing to do. Um, I think that uh, because RFU, England Rugby Inc., as in the brand of that, is so corporate and commercial, you, you're paying £160 a ticket if you want to go and watch England at Twickenham, which you know you can argue whether that's good value or not. But that's pushed a lot of your average Joe rugby fans out. Um, and for the right reason, that's a lot of money to go and spend. Because it's not just that, is it? It's your 25 pints of Guinness. It's your whole day. tickets. It's the, all the rest of it. How many pints of Guinness? Moving on. The, um, 25. The, <laughs> he had seven pints of Star Primer last week. Couldn't see for a week. <laughs> the, uh, the, I think the... Um, so, so sort of what you... I suppose what I'm trying to get across is you're attracting a certain certain type it of It changes, crowd. doesn't it? And um, there's also the large majority of that is the benches, boxes, people with... Same you know, exa- it's exactly the same with Lords at cricket like, or going going for a day yeah, out at the cricket. I've been now to one cricket game in my life and the atmosphere was pants. Yeah. Was it, it a does, Lords? It does depend on, uh, on what you're going to watch, I suppose. But... It, but, but in terms of like day one or the Ashes, for example, that that ticket price has been driven through the ceiling based on the fact it's captive market, but also it's been driven, like I say, by you know certain clientele that will pay that, and if he can get that, he's going to push the nose of Joe Bloggs. I out. paid a lot for my Ashes ticket last year. I can't remember exactly what it was. We got yeah. half a day's cricket. It would have been three figures. Yeah, oh, easily. Yeah, easy. yeah, yeah, easily. If you see that as good value for money, then that's fine. But but it is going to change the demographic for sure. I think so. And you know, again, right or wrong, I don't know. But it's uh, unfortunately, it's not necessarily. I guess as well that because rugby is, there's lots of people that support England, right? But don't have a team, so they're not like passionate rugby fans. They just want to see England play in the Six Nations. That's very different to somebody that turns out for Lincoln RFC week in, week out, rain or shine. Do mm. you know what I mean? Mm. So it's a different type of fan anyway. Whereas if you have any of you been to Millennium? Yeah, I have, yeah. Like, Not for rugby, but for football. Okay. So like it, rugby's major in, in Wales. It's every a religion. Sing- yeah. Every single person there wants Wales to win has like grown up with it they're from the valleys they're whatever not all of them are from the valleys <laughs> but just in case they're already Welsh listeners um as I said I'm Welsh um it is such a different atmosphere because they're passionate Welsh fans that pr- probably have a much heavier involvement in the game back in their communities the large portion of those people going to Twickenham are they want a day out or they want support England it's very noticeable actually when you cross over the border, you do start to see more rugby sticks as you cross over. It is quite noticeable into that into that country. It, it's it is. Um, I've got. I used to work with a lot of. There's a, quite a big uh, when I was at the, my last the last brewery I worked for. They've got a big Welsh contingent there. Their head office is in there and that sort of stuff. Not the head office. The uh, one of the, the big telesales things there. So you used to go to Wales quite a bit to Cardiff. 
incredible. Just they just live and breathe it. Mm. A couple of Welsh colleagues, absolutely mad for it. Next to the Millennium Stadium, there's another the Cardiff Blues play there, literally next door. So you've got a big rugby stadium and then a tiny little rugby stadium. It's like, how much do you want to watch rugby that you put one stadium next to another? Incredible. The road signs are a lot wider as well. They have to be. <laughs> they have to be, unfortunately, yeah. Just yeah. for some context, that was the old... I know, it was there, it was there where he used to play, it, yeah, right, yeah. Before they built the Millennium. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Uh, but yeah, I don't know if how good the Cardiff Blues are. Are they any good? Uh, yeah. The Premiership side? Uh, so no, Welsh teams play in the URC. Oh, okay. United, so they play in the league with Welsh teams, Scottish teams... Irish teams, Italian teams, and now South African teams. I just heard a rugby fan listening to this yell at his radio when I said that, so that was always enjoyable. I could hear them <laughs> having a right go at me there. Never mind. <laughs> You're here to learn. Yeah. We're here to learn. Aren't we all? That comes on to our next bit about learning. So you were a loose head, a tight head, and a hooker. Yeah. Is that right? Yes. Cheers, Wikipedia. <laughs> Nailed it. Started at Dorking. Yeah. Then went to London Welsh. Yeah. Exeter Chiefs. Yeah. Tigers. Yeah. And then completed your career at Dragons. Yes. So you said early you were moved around uh, in position-wise. You said it's unique earlier to play three positions and be adequate and good at all those positions. Was that something you became e- easy to you? Uh, well, yeah, I never said I was good at uh, all three. Um, no, I, well, think, I did say adequate to start with. Yeah, <laughs> I thought I'd ease you in. Yeah, thank you. Um, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, well, I think it's... So what's the, we, we, honestly, we know nothing. So talk us through those three positions. For those that are listening that don't okay. know rugby, talk us through the, the difference in the positions. Sure. So at the front of a scrum, you have three blokes, number one, number two, number three. Uh, the one on the left is the loose head. And he will bind to the hooker, which is the guy in the middle that binds onto both of them. And the guy on the right, this is if you're looking behind them, obviously, mm-hmm. uh, is the tight head. So the tight head goes against two people. The hooker goes against two people, and the loose head goes against one person. It's not, it's not like you're going against one person, but that's just the way you put your heads. Major difference is your hookers are generally much more um, like a fourth back row player now. So you know, run around an extra ball carrier. They throw the ball into the line out. Your tight head is pr- traditionally just a mutant that will just hold down the scrum and not do a lot else. <laughs> and your loose head will be somewhere between the two that can sort of do some damage at the scrum, but also do some ball carrying stuff uh, in between. So back to the first bit, I think really for, for me, I came through as a, as a hooker, I guess, um, because I, I was a ball carrier. That's what I was generally better at, was carrying the ball. Um, but I wasn't ever a fantastic thrower. Um, partly, I uh, learned this in later life, was because I felt like I was very overly technically coached about like where my thumbs needed to be, what I needed to do with my wrist, what I needed to do with my eyes. What It was all very technical, and I'm quite a thinker. And I'm much better to learn something by feel. And actually, after not playing hooker for a few years and just picked up a ball and threw it, I was much more comfortable. Um, and then an opportunity came up to play tight head because there was a couple of injuries at, at Tigers. Uh, and Cockers was like, oh, mate, you, I know you've done it in the past. I like get age group and stuff. You jump in there for us. <laughs> no judgment. And actually went all right. Um, and then, you know, the 
think Coley came back from England duty and Logo was back from injury or whatever. And then we lost two other guys on the loose head side and actually ended up staying over there. So it's it's more, I think, by accident than by design. But I, in my head, I just knew that if I could get on the pitch, I could pick a ball up and I could have an impact on a game and that would help me and the team and, 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 and. So I just wanted to be on the pitch and I would, you know, I'd play to fly off if somebody let me. But. <laughs> Grab that ball and drive. Yeah, yeah exactly. Brutal. You're going to have to tell me, uh, as a former rugby professional and clearly a lover of the sport, why the hell do you do line outs? You're all massive. What, who come up with that? What, lifting each other up? What's mental in it? I, I watch I, I watch more rugby now than I've ever watched, just because just of, I don't know, thirst for sport, whatever you but I think it's mental every time. Hmm. I was, that was good, though. I enjoy that. Nice. Yeah. Cool. I worked for a corporate company for three years. Yeah. I could chuck that in every now and then. Uh, yeah. But I, I look and I think, that's mental. That's crazy. What? 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 Well, I guess the thing with rugby is there's competition for the ball at all points, isn't there? And if you think about football, there's the throw-in, and it's kind of, you throw it to the bloke, he kicks it back to the guy who threw it in, and then you move on. Away oh, we go. Yeah. Um, there might be a bit of competition, as like a bit of elbows and, and whatever, but it's not competition and I think what rugby is great at is it's really difficult to get the ball all the time and you've got to work really hard to get the ball and keep it and then score with it you know it looks hilarious because you're all so massive <laughs> big tall guys be lifted up incredible and the, the premise behind it makes sense it just I just thought it was hilarious so were you in the line like, were you lifting so I, people so, yeah I would have lifted yeah um, Obviously, you want to lift the long people rather than the yeah, naturally, people. yeah, the, the, the six foot nines. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> <Just visited you. laughs> yeah, exactly. I was going to have his head. Actually, you could redesign the game there, really, couldn't you? Because if you think about it, if they chuck up a really long bloke and you chuck up, a send short a midget bloke, in. He's not going to be able to catch it down by his knees while he's shooting up, is he? Changing the game, Changing one podcast at a time. I love it. Where's Eddie? <laughs> Eddie Jones. That there is honestly that's ninety percent right. That's as good. As, yours was pretty good as well, actually. Thank you. You did more sentences as well, which is a thing. You're, you're sticking at just his name. It's <laughs> <laughs> what you're good at. That's all I know. Uh, in terms of those names I listed earlier, other than Dorkin, because I don't know a Dorkin, down south somewhere, yeah. way down south. Way down it's south? not way down south, is it? Is it? It's Essex, isn't it? No, sorry. Sorry. I don't really know Good geography. It's okay. Not being on where Surrey is. Southwest of the M25. Okay. That's pretty south for us. Um... I know all them names. There's some some big clubs there. So you've had a hell of a career. Oh, well, I think I did okay. Nearly 200 uh, appearances? Yeah. Wikipedia's right. Yeah, to be honest, I have never counted. <laughs> well, so, Wikipedia's got you at 196, I think. Oh, well, with, I'll get someone to up. I don't even know who does those. I assume... You can edit yourself, so just go on and just, just <laughs> say... 350. Famous, 350, famous for lineouts, change yeah. the game... Yeah. Foremost Eddie Jones impersonator. <laughs> yeah. I'll edit mine as well. Um, yeah, look, I think looking back on on the career, I feel very lucky to have to have done it for as long as I did. Finishing on my own terms was great as well. Um, I, I, th- I suppose the thing I do look back on is I left Exeter, they won the league. I left Leicester, they won the league. So your smart money is on Dragons who haven't won the URC ever to my knowledge um but yeah I feel like it was great to play for some cool teams and play against some really cool teams in some awesome parts of the world um but I, I 
don't remember loads and loads of games. I really remember the lads that I did it with and, and my mates that I've um, you know, hopefully got for life. And yeah, I feel super lucky. That's pretty special, mate, to be fair, to have that as an experience, as your job. Yeah. We, we've got a bit in beer, to be fair. I know we're going to beer later, but we've got I mean, a bit in beer. I mean, I've made so many friends. In I mean, I've been selling beer for 15 years now. And I've got lifelong friends. I do a podcast with that Herbert in the corner. I met you a bit before beer, to be fair. Yeah, yeah. We, we um, go a bit further back from that, but I was met yeah. you as well. But, but not cr- from yeah. beer. Cricket's like cricket's <laughs> the same well in terms of like you. You feel like you're part of a family. It's it because it can become global. Like I went to Oz and played over there, and I feel like I've got a cricket family over there as well as over here. And they've come over here, and we've been over there, and it's just it does it's very very special when you're part of a group of like-minded people and that that team element as well like we spoke about is you can't you can't put you know you can't put price on it it's amazing but that that's what sport <clears throat> is amazing for opportunities like that like there's yeah. not many jobs in the world where you can go I'm just going to give it a crack in australia for a bit do you know what i mean and yeah. my in my former job that pretty much introduced me to to you guys and rob do you know what i mean but otherwise it's, i'm like everybody else that's got a do that stuff so i think if there's anything to take away from this bit of the conversation is regardless of all the things we said about rugby uh good or bad or indifferent playing sport is awesome for opportunities and networks and just life it's really really good two things i'll never understand people that don't like uh booze and the whole thing around booze and sport, I don't get. But my mum doesn't just doesn't get sport at all. Doesn't like it. Doesn't get it. Doesn't understand why me and my dad travel all over the country watching. I mean, we take a bit too far, but in general, and I said, well, if you just take away my allegiance to Leeds, if England rugby are on the telly and it's Saturday night and it's a semi final or something, why would you not want to watch that and get cricket's the same? Just amount of sport matches that I get engrossed into. Well, sometimes I even got a dog in the fight, but just the drama of it. But it's, just... the, it's the mo- it's the moments it can provide as well, oh, right? Hugely. So it's like you, you, it's the fear like fear of missing out is a big thing. Like, and obviously, if you you constantly putting yourself in that position where you you're going to see something amazing happen, or you know, people that don't don't follow sport or don't like it, it's like I don't, it's madness. I don't get how you can. So I, I hate golf, but I still watch the Ryder Cup. Because it's it's a, a battle between not two nations, but nations as it were. There's a there's there's a reason to watch it, and it's awesome. I can't stand golf. I wouldn't put golf on normally, but I'm watching the Ryder Cup. It's just it probably says more about me than anything else. But in terms of sport, I don't. I just the, the booze thing. I get because people don't all drink, but it's the same feeling to me. I get the same feeling in the, in the pub with the lads pre-game. All that I hate that word, but banter, whatever. You flying around, and then you go and watch your team lose. That sort of thing. But the whole the whole thing of it is amazing. We went to, I went to a 60th birthday on Saturday for a guy I've only ever met through football. The only reason I know him, there's no other reason why we'd know each other. And then I'm there with my wife and we're there for his 60th birthday. And the only thing that's brought us together is the football club. It's the only reason we're in the same room. But thick as thieves, we'd do anything for him, we'd do anything for me. It's that sort of thing. It's incredible how I can, br- I can bring you into it and bring you together. I just don't get why you don't like it. Sport's great. Booze is great. Combine the two and it's absolutely oh, phenomenal, isn't it? You've got perfection. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. Yeah. Other than, other than it's beautiful flavour, that is literally why Guinness was invented. Because that, that is your, in the Sunday, in the pub, the, the fire's on, this whatever on the telly sport, Guinness, isn't it? A part of Guinness. Or craft beers, we'll go on to later. Um, <laughs> can you give us a day in the life of a professional rugby player? Um, wake up at seven-ish, head into the club, 
get your breakfast, um, check in for with the you'll have done a little well-being questionnaire. Are you tired today? Yeah, they're fairly modern, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Are you tired? Yeah. Are you sore? Yeah. Are you? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Of course, I am. Full, full contact training for you. Um, work your way around. You might have a meeting to start the day. Is that what? Let's take a Tuesday, for example, which is always like the biggest day. Um, depending on your split, you might have weights first. So you've got an hour in the gym, then you go and have your forward session, um, which would be about an hour to get filled in, come back in, have lunch for about an hour, chill out for a bit, team meeting, get you all riled up to go and kick another 10 bells out of each other, head back out for a team session, uh, which, you know, from one until... 2.30, by the time you sort of wound down, get some treatment, head home at 4 o'clock, have dinner, day off on Wednesday. Do it all again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it's quite, it's less about the average day. It's more about how they build a week. So say, for example, you've played the Saturday before, you'd have the Sunday off, Monday would be like weights and recovery and a bit of a flush run. Flush as in not full speed running. Uh, Tuesday's the day I just described. That's your contact day. Uh, some teams, there's a big debate in rugby at the moment, if anybody's interested, whether you do the third day on or you have that off. Um, that third day might be like your team stuff where you go team on team, run all your moves that you're trying to do at the weekend and all the rest of it. You have your Thursday off. Friday is your captain's run. Run through all your plays. Everybody feels like amazing. We could beat anybody. Everything works. Play again on Saturday and then cycle round it's, it's how they periodize a week and then you do that what's really difficult about rug, rugby particularly is the contact and the injuries and working that through with soreness that's all fine to do and hold a certain threshold for the first few months of the year but then when you've got 15 20 games under your bank and you start you need people to be fresh go heading into semi-finals and finals you got to know when to back off, and that's really tough because if you back off too much, you'll be undercooked to the weekend, etc. Had you seen more? Obviously, you said earlier, and, and you're correct. R- rugby is a very technical sport, and, and and to the to the outside looking, very complicated. Did you see it as you went through your professional career? It changed a lot in terms of uh, video work and analysis. Had that changed a lot, or has it always been there? Or no, the uh, analysis changed a fair amount. Yeah, I, I would say that I think. Where there's far too much training. Um, personally, I think for um, you know lads that are knocking over thirty that are expected to run around like they do and all the rest of it is really challenging to be able to keep that intensity of training up and play at weekends. Uh, but that's just a personal preference, and that's uh, you know how I played at a weekend meant I was sore during the week. If that makes sense, I probably should have tried less hard at the weekends. Might be I the suppose you're all pros, aren't you? So you're already. At, at- top of your game as it were so less some more technical stuff makes sense really less physical stuff in the week when you're going to go run for a brick wall on a week on a weekend well yeah and i think that's the tough thing about the game is very concerned about concussion and where that's going yeah um so the amount of contact that you have during a week and you do need contact to be contact conditioned so mm. that you don't get hurt but what the balance is of getting enough that's not too much uh is really tough and Thankfully, I don't need to figure out figure that out anymore. <laughs> Do you see the Lions as the pinnacle of our uh, either pinnacle of rugby or pinnacle of 
this hemisphere. How, how do you, what's your vision? We talked about the kind of podcast that there was. I'd overheard a, a rugby conversation on, on on the radio about how it should should go as it's a very old tradition and should go. And I'm saying to these guys, as much as I'm not a rugby fan, as it were, I love watching the Lions. I think it's great, and, I, and it's, it's the documentary are amazing. What's your thoughts on Lions? I've, um, it's an amazing, really cool thing to do and be part of. From mates, I know that I've done it. Um, but I bet if you asked most lads, would you rather win a Lions Test series or win the World Cup? They'd rather win the World Cup. So that probably tells you what's more important. Um, but I think that it's quite a unique thing in sport, right, to get nations coming together to go and take things on, and it is so historic that I can't ever see that going, to be honest. But, um, yeah, that's that's my thoughts. It feels incredibly <laughs> difficult to me to get, because when you watch it, obviously there's people from different, clearly different nations come together and they play. That must be really difficult for the head coach to get that pulled together, because you've obviously got... Not so much the element of, of beating lumps out of each other in Six Nations that may have just gone or or the World Cup that's just gone or whatever you, but just just different rugby styles and different coaches at their, their national level. And to pull all that together, look, when you're watching the documentary, it does seem incredibly tough, which is why they don't win many tours, I don't think, do they? Uh, well, I it's think, tough. You know, yeah. Um, most recent example is, is Gats, Warren Gatlin. Um, he had his Welsh style, and when they won in Australia, he picked. 12 out of 15 Welshmen to play the deciding test. Um, and yeah, that's kind of what happens really is you end up with coaches that, you know, pick the players that they know that can play those positions. Yeah, it's, it's just, I, 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 as a spectacle, I love it. I think it's fantastic. But that you, you have answered the question there that if, if they do prefer to win the World Cup, probably tells you where it is in the, in the, in the pecking order. What about club rugby? Obviously, you've got um, the league within itself, and then you've got the the Champions League style for the for the obviously for the European clubs. Yeah, where does that sit? Yeah, Europe, so it's Premiership, Europe, national, in, like playing for England. I was going to name the sponsor of the um, the the Champions League style, but I remember it's a brewer I never worked for, so I can't name one here. It's <laughs> um, called the Blank I Cup. It, I don't know if it is, is it anymore either because they sponsored. That's it for petty, years. That, isn't it? And then they realised that they could pull out of it and everybody still calls it that company. The Carlin Cup. Yeah. 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 That has been for years. Yeah. So is it the same there? So it's pinnacle would be what? The, the league or, or the pinnacle is said yeah. European Cup. Obviously yes. international's the pinnacle, isn't it? Yeah, so for a club a club player, you know, if, the, if you don't play international, the best you can do is, is win Europe, yeah. Should be all right, wouldn't it? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then, in terms of uh, you playing domestically here, I know there was a. a what do I describe it? So, so you weren't allowed to play for England if you played in France. Did you have any offers to go and play in France? I did. Um, I did have an offer to go and play in France, and I. I sometimes wonder whether whether I should have gone. It much more suited to my style of game, to be honest. Oh, well, um, that's interesting. I didn't know that. Playing off nine more than playing off, playing off the scrum half rather than the fly half sorry oh. trying to, trying to you're dumbing it down you're dumbing it down you're doing a good job for the dumbos yeah I was thinking of, a, of an expression uh, slaggers off Greg it's fine yeah exactly um, I think yeah it would have suited and I've always enjoyed playing against French teams um, felt like it suited me better uh, 
but you know, life and all those sorts of things. It's uh, it's challenging, but you know, there's lots of reasons to go and play in France, and there's lots of reasons to not go and play in France as well. Thank you for joining us on this Whatever Floats Your Goat special of the Gone Off on a Tangent podcast. New episodes released every single Thursday to Apple, Spotify, or wherever you got this one. We have merch available, well, beanie hats ready for the winter, available from thetipsyimp.co.uk, £20, all going to charity. Part two is available next week where we'll discuss Greg's life away from rugby. Thanks for downloading.